This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome relationship coach Aaron Steinberg to the show. Aaron has an MA in psychology and certificates in leadership development and sex education. He's also trained in couples counseling through the Gottman Institute and the Couples Institute. He co-founded Baby Proofing Your Relationship, an education and support organization to help parents navigate the challenges of communication and connection after having a baby. I think most of us would say that our relationship changed after having a baby, and those changes aren't always positive. We gain new labor overnight, new roles and responsibilities, and we suddenly have very little time for connection and intimacy. And on top of all of that, we often find ourselves falling into gender roles, carrying the invisible load without ever intending to pick it up. When this happens, it can feel like our partner is doing something to us. But what if it's more complicated than that? What if we could release the blame and start seeing our partner as a teammate rather than the opposition? Aaron and I discuss how the distribution of labor leads to resentment and what we can do to overcome that resentment and create systems that help us to share the load. We also unpack how to recognize our needs and our partner's needs and what we can do to create moments of connection and intimacy, even when we feel like we have no time for ourselves, let alone each other. Before jumping in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Mama Ox and it's titled, I finally understand so much. Erica and her guests have taught me so much over the last couple of years. I'm currently pregnant with my third and struggled a lot after my first was born. I didn't know how to comprehend what I was going through. When I found this podcast, I finally felt seen, understood, and not alone. I am stronger because of this community and truly cannot thank Erica and her guests enough. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave this review. That struggle that you're describing feels so familiar to the struggle that I had after my third was born. And I'm so glad that this podcast has helped you feel seen and less alone. I really appreciate you reaching out and I hope that you're able to enter this postpartum period with the knowledge that you need to take care of your needs and your own mental health. For those of you that are listening, I want you to know that I read all your reviews and take your feedback to heart. I love hearing what resonates with you and what you want more of in the future. Make sure to stop by iTunes, leave your feedback, leave a review so that I can know how this community is impacting you. Now let's hear my conversation with relationship coach Aaron Steinberg. Has becoming a parent created a strain in your relationship? If so, you are far from alone. In fact, 67% of parents report a decline in satisfaction in their relationship during the first three years of baby's life. Parenthood brings new responsibilities, new stresses, and new potential sources of conflict. You might find yourself trying to cope with an imbalance in household labor or feeling unseen, unheard, and unappreciated. When your needs aren't being met, it can lead to a lack of intimacy and an increase in resentment. And when you start to feel resentful, it often becomes even more difficult to connect and communicate with your partner, creating a vicious cycle. If you're finding yourself feeling resentful, frustrated, or angry with your partner, talking to a specialized therapist who understands this adjustment can help. Mom therapists will help you work through your resentment, understand your emotions, help you set boundaries, communicate your needs, 
and help you explore what's really going on underneath your frustration. We provide virtual therapy support across Canada and are now serving 25 states in the U.S. Ready to learn more? Head to momwell.com slash booking to set up a free 15-minute virtual consultation. That's momwell.com slash booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Erin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. We were just kind of chuckling off air about the male representation in the invisible labor space. And so I'm excited to have you here for this conversation to share your perspective. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I truly am really honored to be here and be talking to you. So tell me how, through your journey of your master's and becoming a therapist or counselor, every state has a different designation name. So, you know, but how in your journey, you came to specialize in relationships and then really in that adjustment to parenthood phase too. How did you niche down in this area? Yeah, I I always kind of laugh when I get asked a question like this because I'm like, do I go back to my parents' divorce when I was a child? Like, (laughs) right? Like, when did the seed really get planted? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. I guess I'll start with I was a person who did not know what I wanted to do out of college, but very quickly, like, had this epiphany. Oh yeah, I can do something I really like doing, and the thing that I always noticed I liked doing was talking to people about what was really going on for them. I always like loved raw conversations and probably steered people toward raw conversations more than they wanted to at the time, which obviously <laughs> gotten better at. But in any case, um, I just would have always been obsessed with relationships. I think to your point about being a man in this field, I was just kind of strange. Like as a kid, I mean, I'm probably still strange, but as a kid, I always just really loved relationships so much. And I was so fascinated by why are they so important to people seemingly? And yet everyone seems really unhappy and I don't want to emulate any of the things that I'm seeing. Hmm. And so that just right from the beginning was where I wanted to focus. And so the first thing I did was go to life coaching school. Mm -hmm. Then I signed up for a master's in psychology and ended up deciding I was just going to do coaching. Yeah. It's a choice that a lot of people make. I feel like in the online space, like I I constantly battle with this daily with whether I relinquish my license or not. Like there's a whole like conversation I feel like around that choice. But yeah, coming through your master's in psychology, learning the things that you did, like the fundamentals of your therapy perspective, and then it evolved into this platform that you have and your courses and the teachings that you do. Yeah. And basically 
my wife and I had our first kid in 2016. And shortly thereafter, my friend who is an executive director of a nonprofit said, uh, it was a parenting nonprofit. And she said, we have all these classes. We don't have a class on relationships. Are you willing to make a class on relationships? And I didn't really think that much of it because I had a full-time private practice. And I was just like, this is a little fun thing that I do on the side. And that was baby-proofing your relationship, right? So this was late 2017, early 2018. And I just taught this class for a couple years and was like, you know, just going about my day and going about my practice. And then I got super, super burnt out. I saw mostly couples, which I've since learned is maybe not a great idea that a lot of people who practice as coaches or therapists try to balance it out because couples are just so much more complicated than individuals. And I was Mm -hmm, seeing like 80% mm -hmm. couples at the peak. And I have terrible boundaries as a lot of people who go into therapy do. And so people be like, we're going to get divorced tomorrow if you don't see us. I'd be like, okay, I won't eat lunch today. Mm -hmm. And it just led me down a really bad road. And so I thought about how can I stay doing the things that I love to do, thinking about the things I love to do, but not feel like this. And I realized that maybe, you know, trying to do a bigger thing with baby proofing your relationship was the right choice. So I set out to do that Mm kind of starting at the end of 2020 and have since made two different courses. I ended up splitting it, doing a prep course for expecting parents, which is called Baby Proofing Your Relationship, which is like our signature course because that's the name of our company. Although by the time this podcast comes out, we might have a different name. We're moving to grow together and that Baby Proofing Your Relationship is under that. But Mm. sorry, I'm very verbose. See, this is why I'm like, how do I answer this question? Mm -hmm. These people are going to be so, is anyone still listening? Sorry. Anyway, so, and then we have Connect Through the Chaos for people who are already parents and needed kind of a deeper dive into the dynamics they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just trying to work with parents. You know, I I had a second kid and, you know, it's like, I I don't know if you have experienced this. Probably this is how you ended up here. I don't know your story in full, but I feel like you end up starting to work with the people when you do therapy or coaching that are like kind of in a similar place to you, whether you try to or Mm -hmm. not. And so I just have ended up like being a parent, working with a lot of parents and you know, now it's kind of my thing, you know, obviously it's a really crucial time in our lives and our kids' lives. So it feels like a big impact place. Mm-hmm. It is the biggest like shift. Like to me, there is like before parenthood and after parenthood, like everything is sort of defined by this transition in a lot of ways, or just marks such a big, not like fork in the road, but just like metamorphosis or, or transition And I remember after becoming a parent, having worked in parenting and co-parenting and family therapy and with children, thinking, I am so sorry to all the parents I ever worked with before this to like more the understanding, like the level of just understanding I could have for how maybe difficult it is to implement some of the practices or, you know, just the fatigue and the sleep deprivation. It just gave me a whole different level of respect and perspective for what my clients faced in those times. And it wasn't until I went through my own experience with postpartum depression and anxiety that I even knew to be on the lookout for that in a transition time. So I think that as therapists, we're going through these transitions ourselves. And it was in the discovery to understand what was going on with myself that I stumbled into maternal mental health Mm. as a niche and a specialty. 
because I don't know if we don't know some of these things or haven't come across them in training and whatnot, then I was certain that the general public probably wasn't exposed to or aware of the risks that they were sort of up against, I think, in this transition. And that's not just as individuals. It's also relationships. Like relationships go through such a major transition during this time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I say in the trailer for one of the courses, I have this snippet where it's like becoming a parent is the largest voluntary transition that you'll go through in your entire life. And so it just feels like that to me as well. It's so massive individually and for your relationship. And this was part of also why I entered this part of the field, right? The parenting relationships part of the field, because it just seemed so crazy to me how much research and data there is about how difficult becoming parents is for your relationship. And very few people, I mean, at the time I started, it seemed like literally no one. Now, obviously that's changed a lot. You know, the Gottmans are doing something. Eve has a a lot that she's doing, Mm -hmm. you know, but it felt like no one is doing anything about this. This is very strange that this matters so intensely. It's such a big transition and we're so wildly undersupported in, you know, our well-being and maintaining our sense of connectedness and well-being during the time. It just seemed crazy to me. Mm Mm-hmm. What I see with a lot of clients and people in the community is that the birth of the invisible load really starts to snowball and take effect in like pregnancy and the postpartum. And I mean, depending on what your fertility journey was like and how long you were trying to conceive and whether there were all kinds of appointments and research that even backs out to trying to conceive, I feel like this invisible load kind of like anchors in at different points for people. But I feel like up until my partner and I had children, there was like what seemed like a very equal distribution. Like I would work late and he would do dinner and we would make a list and coordinate. And it was like a very mutual, easily sort of batted back and forth kind of routine we found ourselves in. And then enter parenthood enter me becoming pregnant, deciding to take maternity leave, which actually wasn't even a question. Like, I don't even feel like I really took the time to evaluate or decide. I sort of just assumed that I would, I should be the one to take it. And we really started to fall into these roles or this sort of system or flow of things that was very anchored in societal norms, I would say, like sort of under the assumption that I was the caregiver and I was the one that took care of the house, which maybe worked for a time when I was on maternity leave. But when I returned back to work full time, it was like, wait a minute, none of this just like automatically redistributes. Like, how did I find myself in this role? And I hear this come up with so many couples. And it's one of the things that you address in your course, because this family system or this distribution of labor is a major, major pain point. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest pain point, I think, followed closely by, or not actually followed not that closely by like sex and intimacy, and then probably followed not that closely by differences in parenting style. But yeah, I spend most of the prep course, like half of the prep course is about division of roles and responsibility and creating a system to do that because it just causes the most fights, right? Like that feeling that you're not in it together, that 
one of you. And obviously we were well aware now that this is in a heterosexual relationship. It's going to be the, the woman, right? Like that unequal division of responsibility and that feeling like too much is on one of you is it's just brutal. And it's like, how can a relationship thrive under those circumstances where you're just harboring that feeling of disconnection and potential resentment all the time? It's like, it can't. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And so you talk about developing a family system. And I don't even think that I knew that I needed this. And then once I realized, I don't even think I knew like how to go about this. So can we unpack what a family system looks like or means, especially as it relates to this invisible labor that we're talking about? Yeah, I sort of define this in two different ways. I mean, first of all, like just as a foundation, I just think about the family system as just each of you, right? And your children and anything that you own or have to care for or have to maintain, right? Like that's kind of the pieces of what's in the family system. And then on top of that, I think about it as just the set of structures and processes that allow each of the people in that family system to have the most well-being possible. And one thing that I think is really, really important is that 
part of that is addressing the feelings of connection and being in it as a team in like on a team together as its own thing, right? That there's kind of this reinforcing feedback loop of connection is built into the system, right? Ways to feel like you're on a team, ways to get into each other's world that then allows you to create better structures and processes and then having better structures and processes that allows you to feel more connected and that all of this kind of works together. Mm. So it's like, in short, all of you, <laughs> the ways in which you create the most well-being for yourselves and each other and the feelings of connection that arise and then infuse all of the components. I can see how it's hard to feel like we're working as a team and flexible and fluid in our sharing of tasks and labor if we are keeping score and not on the same page with one another. Yeah. Like that connection piece or that seeing and acknowledging, there's something there that is just so important because I feel like it starts to become very keeping score tit for tat, like I do all of this, but I also do all of this, you know, and we can really lose each other and understanding one another in this keeping score dynamic that plays out. Yeah, I mean, to me, keeping score is like a symptom, right? Like the problem is that you don't have a good system, you don't have a good structure, you don't, you're feeling disconnected. And then so you end up keeping score. I mean, also, as parents, there are going to be times where each of us is suffering <laughs> in some way, right? Like parenting is sometimes not the most wonderful sunshine and rainbows experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our mind is going to go, what is happening here? How can I make sense of this in a way that might rectify this problem? And to me, that's like the symptom, right? You're like, okay, if I can see that I'm doing way too much of this and you're doing not enough of that, then maybe I can either validate my feelings or prove something to you and create some sort of movement forward. And obviously sometimes your scorekeeping is like dead spot on, right? Like sometimes your partner or my partner, you know, or anyone's partner or me or you is gonna be falling short in some way, obviously. Hmm. But I just feel like also that just gets so severe when you don't have that feeling of being in it together because you lose the grace for each other. There's more urgency. And so you lose that like, oh, okay, something is feeling off. Like, let's figure out how to deal with it. Let's guess and test some things to adjust. It just feels like we're on two different teams. We're adversaries. It's me against you. You're inhibiting my well-being. Mm. And that just becomes a real slide down to like not a good relationship situation. Well, yeah, when you talk about the family system being everybody mutually you know, having their well-being cared for and prioritized and taken care of. But then we start to maybe fall into resentment and see one of the people in our own system as responsible for our suffering. Then it becomes a real hurdle, right, in the working together as a team. And like, this is not to say that we don't have partners that you know, are not pulling their weight or falling short or that we aren't justified potentially in some way in our frustration of the situation or we've been let down or felt abandoned in a moment when we've really emotionally needed our partner. Like these things happen and partners need to be held accountable. Likewise, I would expect to be held accountable if that was also me but that doesn't put our partner at the center of the problem. Like, I think we have to take the problem and 
pull it out and really look at it together because as soon as we position our partner as the problem, we're like fighting a a real uphill battle. Like when we've attributed the problem to being our partner, there is no solution. Like I feel like we've like gridlocked then or something because how can we change somebody else's behavior in such a dramatic way? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like I've heard you use this term before in in your podcast and I use it a lot too, which is agency, right? Like we have to feel a sense of agency that there is something we can take control of, something we can have power over. And I like to tell the story of how a lot of times, like a lot of the time people would come into my office and I go, hey, what brought you in? And invariably one person would say, well, they're too this, and if only, you know, they're too selfish, they're too distant, and if only they were more connected to me and present, everything would be fine. Hmm. Okay, how about you? Well, they're too needy, and if only they were more self-sufficient and able to, like, not need so much from me, everything would be fine. Hmm. And so I started doing this thing where when I felt like it was super gridlocked, I would go, okay, well, here's what I'm sure of. I'm sure that you're somewhat right, and you're somewhat right, because everyone is a pain in the ass, especially to their partner. Mm. And I'm sure that you are a pain in the ass to them, and they are a pain in the ass to you in some way, and that you are overly sensitive to something, and you are acting out in some way or doing some version of the thing they're pointing to. And it would kind of unlock the situation because it would allow people to view it as a system and have kind of like this comedic way of, this term really annoys me, taking responsibility, but I think sometimes we just have to use it, Mm -hmm. you know, of taking responsibility for your own impact on the situation. And I personally, as a practitioner, even as a coach, right, I think this is kind of the bad rap that coaches get, like, I don't want to tell you what to do, Mm -hmm. right? I want to give you doorways, right? My expertise is in, I know processes and doorways that you can walk through And as you're walking through them and doing these exercises, it's about making your relationship what you want it to be. How do you define a successful relationship? What's going to work for you? Mm -hmm. Making sure there's space for both accountability, you know, but also agency and also freedom and like the ability to be creative and make it your own is just super, super important. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, like you said, it just everything's stuck. You know, like I could tell someone you should just do this thing, you know, you should just divide your responsibilities this way. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to work for everybody, you know, like that might end up making things worse. And so I feel like that ability to work together and collaborate, you know, is just so unbelievably important. And that requires something that goes beyond everything is your fault. And if you just change, then we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not a great place for a relationship to evolve from. Yeah. Well, I think what you're describing is like when we each take ownership and can see our part to play, then we see it as a pattern instead of a flaw within a person. Because when the flaw is within a person, there is no solution to that flaw. That person is broken. They are flawed. They are not good enough in whatever, you know, narrative or story we tell ourselves. And resentment has a way of tainting our narrative that it feels this way. Like if I feel wronged and I feel like it's your fault and it's a convincing feeling in our body and and this is the story we tell ourselves, but when we can see that it's a pattern, 
when we can see that these are gender norms or these are pressures or these are societal norms that have been expected of both of us that we've fallen into that is something outside of ourselves and not inherently us choosing to slight or you know, disrespect our partner, well, then we've got an actual issue that can be troubleshooted, some communication skills that can be learned, or some, you know, words of acknowledgement that can be passed back and forth to actually start to shift the pattern. Otherwise, we're just trying to change one another. And it's this push and pull, like you said, it's like that tug of war of like they micromanage and then I pull away and then the the pattern just continues. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm super also into externalization. Like you need to put the problems in the correct proportion. Mm. Like some of it is cultural. Some of it is what we've inherited. You know, some of it is just literally how difficult the transition is, as we've talked about, like the dynamics of becoming parents it just doesn't lend itself very well to feeling good inside of yourself, you know, as an independent person, obviously it lends itself to the joys and beauty of parenthood, right? But it doesn't lend itself to freedom and time to nurture yourself and any of that. And it doesn't lend itself to having a thriving relationship. And Mm. I cannot tell you the number of times where things that just seemed so dumb and cliche to me were really supportive to me when my wife and I were really struggling. We were really struggling after having two kids, our second kid. And it was just like, we're really in it. Like I'd remind myself, we're really in it right now. This is brutal. Our kids are 20 months apart. Right? It was like, mm. we're really in it right now. Mm-hmm. This is going to get better. I will have a sense of self outside of being a dad and just trying to like make as much money as I can. My wife will have a sense of self outside of being a mom and just trying to make as much money as she can. Like they're just, the circumstances were just so brutal. And I think things like that are just so important. You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of us talking about this right now and sort of normalizing that experience, but I just don't even think it's enough. It's so easy to just fall into like, there's something broken in me, there's something broken in my partner. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously those relationship dynamics are real, right? It's not like to my, you know, pain in the ass comment, it's like, it's not like you're completely wrong that like each of you could do better as partners. Right. I'm sure, you know, you're right. But that has to be in the proper proportion or it just becomes like this consuming nightmare where you're like, oh, well, we're completely incompatible and let's just move on. And and that is a really high stakes situation in which to kind of flippantly feel like that or make a choice like that. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready to eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. 
Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherina Reem's Psyched Mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com rage, code RAGE20. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. How often have conversations with moms who are feeling really down about their relationship in the like throes of postpartum. And it's like, we never make a permanent decision in a temporary season. Like, you know, we, we need to like give it a breather unless we're like talking, we're in abusive situations and like you get the F out. But like, otherwise I think that what you're saying about the postpartum isn't conducive to our own mental health and well-being, right? Like we are sleep deprived. We are learning on the job a role that we've never done. We are lacking certainty in ourselves. Everything is changing um, in terms of our schedule and our time and our autonomy over our time. And so when we are not feeling good in ourselves, that also has an impact on our relationship, right? Like I totally can interpret the behaviors of my partner in two completely different ways, depending on the mood that I am in, right? Like he may enter the room and not say hi, let's say, or like give a little pat on the way by. And if I am like doing my thing and oblivious and whatever, it doesn't even non-issue. But if I'm feeling like a little deprived for connection, feeling like maybe we had a little fight, then I'm going to like take real offense to that. Like, where's my affection? Or like, are you mad at me? Or are you whatever? And that's really an interpretation that's shifting with my own mood. So in this postpartum period, I think, like you you said, we're not even feeling good within ourselves sometimes. And it makes it really difficult to also be fulfilling somebody else's needs and really considering their emotions when we are often drowning and trying to keep our own head above water, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is part of 
going back to what I was saying, why I think the feeling of being in it together is so important. Because if you are, I mean, you know this as a therapist, right? And, and I think a lot of us know this from experience. Like, if you are in this really gridlocked, upset situation, and you are trying to get through that and reconnect, that is going to require that you back off. I mean, obviously, anger is fine as an emotion, right? It's not like you can't present anger to your partner, but sort of like the vitriolic, judgmental, condescending version of whatever you're dealing with. Mm. And you have to go back into sincerity and curiosity and an attempt to like, how can we connect over this and really understand what's going on? So if you're stuck in the, you know, angry, vitriolic, condescending place, you're going to have to take the step back to even get to a place where you're able to work together with your partner. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like you're really in it together and connected, when weird things happen or those little pinches happen, you're just going to be a lot closer to the thing that you're going to need to do anyway <laughs> to get through the problem, right? And go like, I don't know, you know, maybe you don't get the pad or you know, I don't get the the hug or the hello or the kiss or whatever. And I'm kind of like, hey, like, are you okay? What's going on with you? Like, are you perseverating on something? Like, mm -hmm. do you have a lot going on? You know, it just immediately kind of goes to this, like, I wonder what's up with them as opposed to like, how dare they not make me feel the way that I need them to make me feel, you know? Yeah. And then like when that connection is there, I'm more playful. I'll just like crawl up in your lap like a cat. Like I don't even, <laughs> I don't even care when like that playfulness <laughs> is there. It's like, you don't have a choice. I'm getting my attention and you're like, whatever, right? But when we're unsure and we're like doing this dance around our partner, it just feels like we're like on opposing sides. Yeah. And that's not to say that maintaining that connection means that things have to be perfect. Like no. my partner and I have many, like we see many things the same. But we see many things differently, especially, I think, in raising boys and coming from different cultures. And there's just a lot that we've, you know, we have to talk through and have conversations about. But when a difficult situation happens, there's nothing more meaningful to me that can happen than him coming around and like kind of debriefing or having a conversation with me so that I can understand the headspace he was in or like why he made that decision or just like understand because my interpretation of what went down is 100% different always than what actually took place. And so when there is a like an expression back and forth and like a willingness to hear one another, you can just share like perspective take share in that moment and have a different level of understanding. And you may both commit to handle the situation differently next time or whatever. But there's something there about being able to turn towards each other and share even the hard things, the hard conversations, no one is operating perfectly in these sleep-deprived moments. That is for sure. Yeah. But yeah, debriefing them together is really important, I think. Yeah. I will sheepishly say I 100% am not meaning this is like a pitch for my course, but it's just I'm thinking about it. It's just part of the reason I, I made a prep course is because the dynamics are so difficult in the moment that I feel like this habit we've gotten into or norm that we've gotten into where there's this feeling of like, well, we'll just reconnect when things aren't so hard. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And, and like, we'll just find it again later. And then often that doesn't actually happen. I was hearing actually Emily Oster was talking about how I think there's some statistic, like most people don't actually feel connected again in a significant way until they become grandparents. I can't remember what podcast this was, but I was like, whoa, that is striking. Mm, mm -hmm. So there's these weird dual things happening where on one hand, 
we have to give ourselves grace and understand that the conditions for being connected and having a good relationship are brutal, right? And are not conducive to having a good relationship. And at the same time, that doesn't mean we need to just kind of let it go and not worry about it, right? We also should be worried about it. We should be trying to stay connected. We should be trying to maintain as much of a relationship as we possibly can. And that's why I'm so into this idea I have of like, prepare, right? Prepare your relationship for parenthood, right? Preparing your relationship for parenthood is an essential part of preparing for parenthood. That's like my cute little phrase, you know? And I really mean it because if you know what's coming down the pipe and you can identify it as it's happening, it's not going to end up where like, if, if you're listening to this, my hands are like kind of breaking apart right now. It's not where you're like, you know, the threads are so thin and then you're breaking and it's so hard to reconnect or you're in crisis when your kids are three and five mm. or four and six or whatever. You've maintained as much connection and intimacy and love as you possibly can. And then you're just building up and recreating from a much better place. And I think that matters quite a bit. Yeah. I think that one of the big things for me, it took a really long time to accept and understand that connection and intimacy in parenthood looks different than it did sort of pre-children. And what I mean is like, we're not readily picking up and going out for date nights to dinner. Like that is not a reality of having three children. The amount of babysitters who will take three <laughs> children at once are few and far between. So like this idea of like, oh, we'll connect on a date night or even just the idea of like, oh, we're going to be like laying around a bed and spontaneously desire one another. Like when does that happen in parenthood ever? When do you get to lounge and be, you know, with each other? So it took a really long time for me to understand that these moments of connection as a couple in parenthood are different and that they're still meaningful. They're often broken out in smaller little pocket sized, you know, pieces that we can fit in. And I just had to break away from what I thought that it should be. And I don't know, that took me and my very rigid perfectionist mind a little time to accept, you know, but it has made all the difference to be able to embrace it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That thing you said of, you know, just the little moments and it's not going to be, you know, these dramatic shows of romance and these amazing spontaneous moments of just wanting each other so badly. I mean, if that's happening for you in early parenthood, like, more power to you. <laughs> like, I'm stoked. Tell me your secrets. Yeah, but yeah. mostly it's like making sure this is like a harsh thing to say, because I don't want to be like blamey, but it's just like making sure you're not complacent with the opportunities. Mm. You know, I'm not trying to be on my high horse here, but I just my wife and I have made it a habit of just if we're going to watch TV, like if the kids go to sleep and we're going to watch TV for like the rest of the night, we just spend like even 10 minutes just being like, what actually was your day like? Mm -hmm. Like, what did you experience in the day? Like, what was hard? What was good? You know, what are you thinking about? And even just setting aside that amount of time, like if we're just fried and, and like mostly kind of just want to sit next to each other and not interact, I feel like setting aside a little bit of time for like kind of a both and sort of experience is just really, really, really powerful. Because I feel like if we just got into the habit, which sometimes we have, of just going straight to TV or scrolling next to each other on Instagram or whatever it is, it's like, 
that adds up, you know, that little disconnection just adds up. Like it's not just all of a sudden you feel disconnected or all of a sudden you're not happy with each other anymore. It's like these little moments that could go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's making me think back to the early postpartum days with three young kids. Cause my boys were three, three and under. So it was wow. like sheer and absolute mayhem and lack of sleep. It was like a pressure cooker time. And so talk about like want to just sit there and scroll or like being so sort of wanting to just stare at the ceiling and not hear anything or be touched or hear any noise kind of overstimulating time of parenthood. Like those times are okay. And you can express that you need that time. And I think it's also finding things that work for you to share in some form of connection with each other that don't have to be every day or don't have to be like, it depends on what it is. Don't have to feel like extra work necessarily, but can just be intentional. And often with my partner and I, like those are careful, like those are things that are like caring for one another and thoughtful things that we do for one another or asking, hey, do you want to order in, sit up to the table and chat for our meal, then go watch our shows and then go, you know, take a breather or do you want to do a puzzle? I don't know. I'm ADHD and my hyperfixation right now is puzzles. So like, we're going to sit up to the table and do a puzzle together. Are we going to share in just a few moments of something, hear about each other's day? How are you really feeling about the transition to school and what happened this morning? How are you really feeling about whatever? And then go and I'll binge watch all my below deck and reality shows that he despises and doesn't want to participate in anyways. But yeah, there is that like that piece of just making an intentional time to connect. And I think that we just don't think creatively how to do that because we are attached to what we think dating our partner looks like right? Like it looked like going out to dinners. It looked like catching movies. It looked like, you know, physical intimacy. Like I think that there's a real sort of learning curve that has to happen to break those down into bite-sized day-to-day pieces for each other. And it takes some time, but it really is those little things that preserves that connection until now I'm in a completely different stage of parenthood where we do get more chunks of time Rarely, but we do get them. And it feels like that connection is there. We're just like building on it even further now. Yeah, I love that. The creative thing is just so huge to me. I feel like it's so easy to just think the way that we are normally doing it or have learned to do it is not available. And so therefore nothing is available. Mm-hmm. And that learning curve is just is so important to get more creative. I think one way like this really shows up when people are unhappy with each other is feeling like it either has to be my way or your way. Mm. And like, so my wife and I are really opposites. Like, I mean, we could I could frame this in a bunch of different ways, but I think probably the most in vogue right now would be to say I'm very anxious attachment style and she is very avoidant attachment style. Mm-hmm. And so... For me, when I'm struggling, right, in this pressure cooker of parenting, I want immediately to feel the security of our closeness, right? And Mm -hmm. so that becomes more and more intense the more I'm struggling. She wants to feel the security of her being aloneness, and that gets more intense the more that she's struggling. And those two things don't go together at all, Mm -hmm. right? And and so where, where a lot of people stop, you know, when you work with couples is they're like, 
this is unworkable. Mm. I need closeness and they need distance. And how can we do this? And, and the answer is so simple that it's almost stupid, but it's really hard to execute, which is like, you do both, mm-hmm. right? Like there's nothing saying that there can't be moments where my wife just kind of forgoes the thing that she's looking for for a second to just give me that security and connection and intimacy. And there's nothing saying I can't forego what I'm needing and give her the space, Mm -hmm. right? And we can alter, you know, if we're both trading off kind of like aware of these dynamics and it's like, oh, I know you really need space right now. You just need like 20 minutes to lock yourself in a room, take a breath, I'll take the kids. Yeah, I'm really craving your attention, but like I've learned through thousands of hours of therapy to hold (laughs) these feelings I have and be able to have the capacity to not act on them. And she's like, I really want to retreat, but like, I know you need like a hug right now. I know you need some affirmation, right? And so she can give that to me. And I think part of the creativity is just understanding that like, even if you have opposing needs, and even if it seems like there's no time, I promise you there is at least enough time, at least a few minutes of time where you can give each other the gift of the thing they're needing, Mm -hmm. right? But people get really scared because they're like, if I give you the thing you're needing, I'm not going to get it my way. Mm -hmm. And like, oftentimes that happens when there's a lot of resentment or there's, you know, a lot of pent up like deficits of needs and, you know, feeling like it's not enough, you know, but having this understanding of how, what you might think of as connection or what you might be looking for might not be the same thing because you said something so beautiful earlier, like this isn't about agreement, Mm -hmm. connection and agreement are not the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? Connection is being with each other, being able to be with each other, similarities and differences and, you know, form some sort of way of being that allows you to continue to feel like you're a unit while also you're two entirely individual people. It's very complicated and mm-hmm. <laughs> requires a lot of creativity, but in a certain way, it's just like stupidly simple. It's just like, don't try to dominate the other person's needs with your own and see what happens. Yeah. And that, that requires like some personal development and tolerance for us to as also the more anxiously attached person to sit with my need for reassurance right now because this isn't an appropriate conversation for us to have while the children are around or whatever the case may be, right? So there's like a personal development piece of building tolerance within ourselves to not expect our partner to immediately meet our needs, like to be able to meet our own needs and soothe ourselves while also being able to you know, seek connection in our partner. And I think that that's a whole conversation for another day, but also like an important piece of this is we're feeling so low often in this postpartum period. We're feeling so like our needs are not being met and our partner is the closest person to us that is maybe capable of meeting some of those needs. And some of them are the needs of the relationship that are potentially our partners to be met and others are deprived needs of our own that deserve to be prioritized personally. And that is something that maybe we individually need to work on. I feel like I could go in so many different other directions and I want to keep chatting, (laughs) but we are out of time. I'm thankful for you joining us today and for us having this conversation. It's a really important and often invisible dynamics that don't have language put to them usually that I think make people feel really isolated because Mm -hmm. as we were talking earlier, 
I hear so often from couples, I want our relationship to be like it was, like it was before kids. And what we're saying is that, you know, it's okay to grieve that freedom or to, you know, long for connection in that way. But also there's an acceptance here and a flexibility in thinking that we have to lean into to also see that for at least this season or these, you know, few years of early parenthood with young children, we're going to have to get creative and it's going to have to look a little different. My wife said to me after I went on a podcast, she was like, it's actually crazy to reflect on how taboo your work is. Like people barely talk about how hard parenting is and it's starting to change. But very few people talk about how hard parenting is on your relationship. Mm -hmm. And so obviously this is one of my missions is I want people to feel less alone that you can have the foundation of a great relationship and be totally equipped to make it through this and even make it through it super well and just be struggling, mm. even struggling like hard mm-hmm. at various times through your parenting journey. And those two things are not mutually exclusive and you don't have to feel alone and like you're broken if that's where you're at. Yeah. And you don't have to feel like you're doomed or you married the wrong person or they're not the one. Like these are all yeah. hurdles that, you know, many of us face in our relationships as we enter parenthood. So Thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. Where can people follow you, learn more from you, hang out with you online? Well, thank you for having me, Erica. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm unsure. So just in full transparency, I'm unsure of the timeline of this. Within like three weeks from the day of recording this or a month, we're going to actually have entirely new everything. So right now we're at baby proofing your relationship on instagram our website is babyproofingyourrelationship.com and we are changing to our parent name which is grow together and so mm. baby proofing your relationship is a is a part of our offering under grow together so and i actually honestly if we haven't fully decided on the socials and website for that so That's just search okay. grow together and baby proofing your relationship and we'll make sure in the show notes too to link all of the up to date details so people can easily click right through and find you Thank we'll you. make sure that those are all up to date congrats on a on a rebrand and all of what comes with that we've been through it over here and it's an undertaking (laughs) for sure oh it is but thank you again for joining us today and wish you the best of luck on your rollout of your rebranding thank you erica i truly don't think that we talk enough about how much having a baby changes our relationship we know that we're going to have new responsibilities and priorities and that we're going to be tired and we expect most of that. But I don't think most of us anticipate what Aaron and I were talking about today. The toll that having a baby can take on our relationship. It's just one of those things that we often don't talk about. We might hear other moms venting about their spouses, but it's easy to think that that's not gonna happen to us. And that's often because we don't talk about the reason why. The invisible load, the identity loss, the inability to take care of your own needs, and the way that emotional intimacy and connection change after having a baby. If we entered parenthood understanding these things and talking about them, we'd be aware and on the lookout. And as a result, we'd be much less blindsided when it does happen to us. If we prepared new parents more, then we could navigate these situations less from a place of blame and more from a place of understanding. The tidbit that Erin shared about how some couples don't feel connected again until they become grandparents is a wake-up call for many of us. 
You deserve connection and emotional intimacy in your relationship. You deserve to be heard, and so does your partner. And working through these things shows your children a model of how to work together and how to show appreciation for one another and how to distribute all of this labor and work together as a team. That's gonna break cycles and patterns and change the distribution of labor in the home and parenting norms for future generations to come. I wanna know what you think about this episode. Do you think that having a baby impacted your relationship? Do you feel like you can put some of these things into place and make a difference? Send me a DM and let me know what you thought. And please feel free to leave a review. Your feedback helps me when I choose future topics and guests for the podcast. And if you're out there thinking, okay, I'm on board, but how do I even start with this? How do I get my partner on board? How can I communicate these things? I hear you. Sometimes we need a little bit more support and our therapists at MomWell are here to offer that. Our therapists can help you and your partner with relationship support, And if your partner isn't open to that, our therapist can help you learn how to navigate your relationship challenges. Visit momwell.com slash booking to schedule a free 15-minute virtual consultation today. That's momwell.com slash booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Amy Kiefer and Crystal Howell, co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, to discuss taking care of your postpartum body. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to MomWell. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.